Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I'm going to get that gun of mine, and I'm going to change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. Some people call me a freak. I hate that word. I don't believe in it. Better yet, I don't believe in labels. You know, I think you're the only girl in the world that can stand on a stage with a spotlight in her eye and still see a diamond inside a man's pocket. Because I'm up at five every morning working my ass off. Does someone want to just tell me to my face, you're never going to give me the scores I deserve? Welcome to Girls on Film, the film review podcast from a female perspective. I'm your host, Anna Smith, and I'm recording this in March 2020. This episode is our first from our virtual studio during self-isolation. I know a lot of you are stuck indoors at the moment and looking for great movies to watch, and we are here for you. We may be distant from each other, but we can still be social. We want to bring our community of listeners closer to each other and provide comfort and entertainment. So here we go on Girls on Film's very first isolation pod. Now, it's our first time trying out remote recording facilities, so please bear with us if we have any technical difficulties. Today, we're going to focus on a brilliant new film called The Perfect Candidate, as well as pick out other movies that you can watch at home. My first guest is the Managing Director of Modern Films. She is Eve Gabreau. Welcome, Eve. Thank you, Anna. Happy to be here. Well, I'm so glad to have you back because we've had you on the pod, of course, before. Last time it was in Glamorous Annabelle's Members Club, and you've also, I think you've been in the audience a few times, haven't you? I have, once at uh, the Glasgow Film Festival and once at the Albright Club. Amazing. Thank you for being such a loyal listener and participant. Now, obviously, uh, we're in a serious crisis at the moment, but we are recording from our own homes. Um, And I kind of think there are some silver linings to being stuck at home. Like, I'm clearing out the drawers. I'm finding all these things I thought I'd lost, including numerous lipsticks. What is the silver lining for you for being at home? I think it is nice to just take some time out and be at home and uh, concentrate on things that I need to get done and uh, spend some time with my kids, watching them do their school day uh, around me. It's kind of fun, but uh, also a lot of different parts of your brain you're using, I think. And you sort of homeschooling them? Well, no, the school does that, thankfully. It's all set up on some system where they have their schedule that they have to keep to, but you sort of have to look in to make sure they're doing that on a great. Well, good luck with that. (laughs) Have lunch break together. Oh, that's nice, actually, isn't it? Yeah, I'm doing that with my husband. It's a nice change. Well, our next guest is the writer and broadcaster and regular film critic for the Jewish Chronicle. And she's also the reviews editor for Hey You Guys. Hello, Linda Marrick. Hello. How are you guys? I'm good, thank you. How are you, Linda? Good, good. Thank you. Where are you speaking to us from? I am actually in my basement, which I've turned into some kind of working den for the foreseeable future. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of enjoying just doing, pottering around, doing my own thing. It sounds very professional. I'm picturing you in like this kind of soundproof basement. (laughs) (laughs) You sound great. (laughs) Brilliant. And what's the silver lining for you for being at home? Or are you just so used to it like I am? Yeah, yeah. I'm like you, Anna. I do most of my writing from home. And the only time you find me out is when I'm out and about at screenings or if I'm recording something in the studio. Uh, but the silver lining, I'd say, the dog is very pleased that I'm at home more often. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm getting loads of doggy cuddles. It's fine, you know, it's fine. It's just giving me a chance to sort of potter around the house, do the things that I've been meaning to do for, for months and months and months. So, you know. 
Excellent. And watch classic movies as well. That's another good one, which we return yeah. to later. Our next guest is a very special and unusual guest for Girls on Film. She's a British Bahraini trumpet player and composer. She's recorded three albums. She's collaborated with Radiohead. She's played at WOMAD. And she has a special connection to the first film we're talking about today. She is Yaz Ahmed. Hello, Yaz. Hi. Hi, Yaz. Thank you so much for joining us. Where are you at the moment? I'm in a little village outside of Luton. It's very quiet and peaceful and the sun is shining, which is nice. How gorgeous. <laughs> that sounds absolutely idyllic. And um, what's the silver lining for you for spending a bit more time at home than you had expected? Yeah, well, it's been giving me a chance to reflect and sort of think about, you know, what I've I've achieved in the past year, which is nice. I never get to do that. But it also it's also made me slow down. And, um, you know, I've always been riding the waves and going along with the flow. But now I can sort of sit down and focus on on other things and, you know, practice more, write music more. So even though it's taken a, a while to get used to, um, I definitely can see the benefits in slowing down. It is a rare opportunity, isn't it? And I think that's a much better answer than mine about finding more lipstick. So well done. <laughs> <laughs> well, like Linda, I've learned that my cat has a very set routine and I'm quite envious of how <laughs> content she is. <laughs> What's her routine? Well, she, she goes outside in the morning, then she comes back in and has a nap all day in the same spot with the sun on her. <laughs> then she gets up, <laughs> stretches, <laughs> has a meal. <laughs> <laughs> goes back out comes back in it's really nice That's nice isn't it yeah I, I have a routine with my cat which has been upset by my husband being at home and for a while he's very confused by the whole thing the cat not the husband <laughs> yeah um, so, but, but we've now settled into a new routine so it's good it's good um now my final guest is someone very special indeed and we're going to be talking about her new film today she's saudi arabia's first female filmmaker she made the film vajja and she is haifa al-mansour hello haifa Hi, Anna. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. We're just thrilled to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on Girls on Film. No, thank you for having me. How are things over? So you are in L.A., aren't you? Oh, yes, I am in L.A. It How's is, that going? It has been cold in L.A. Can you imagine? It's cold? Like cold what? and rainy. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Unheard of. So what, what are you doing while you're, at, while you're at home? How are you enjoying yourself? Well, it has been really nice just staying with the family. As a filmmaker, you travel all around the world and you have to have like long days away from home and set and stuff like that. So it is really nice to be home next to the kids and, and get to know their little jokes and everything. Homeschooling is a challenge. They don't see me as a real teacher. I need to assert myself. <laughs> It's going to be such an interesting learning curve for a lot of people, isn't it? But uh, it sounds like you're winning. Well done. Well, thank you all for joining Girls on Film. Let's uh, move on to our first film, which is The Perfect Candidate. Of course, it comes from Haifa Al-Mansour. It stars Mila Azrani as Mariam, an ambitious young doctor working in a small town clinic in Saudi Arabia, battling against sexism on a daily basis. She kind of accidentally decides to run in her local city elections and enlists her two younger sisters in the campaign. The three women start to challenge their conservative community. Well, I'd like to congratulate you, Haifa, for this film. I really enjoyed it. It makes serious points with a light touch and kind of gently highlights the absurd details of a patriarchal culture where some men still refuse to be treated by a female doctor. Tell me why this story was important for you to tell. Oh, thank you so much, Anna. I think it is, now we have a lot of like um, movement that wants to empower women. There are so many like people talking about like putting women in power and giving, especially like female filmmakers and politicians and CEO women in leadership. 
it is just like hard to do that without changing the, the narrative with the general public. It is not like only people in decision making. You really need to reach to people's minds and hearts. And for me, it's in a place like Saudi Arabia where it is very conservative and, and for so long people are conditioned to see women in a certain way. It was just like, it's a story about a girl who wants to find her voice and I, and I hope people when they see it, they kind of reassess their sub, like um, biases and stuff. Uh, so I thought it's well, Lord, timely Lord, with, Lord. What, with all that's happening. A lot of the film does seem to be about people tack tackling their own bias. And I really like the fact that some characters in, in the film go on their own journey and, you know, face their, their, their prejudices about women in particular. Um, what kind of responses have you had from audiences who've had the chance to see The Perfect Candidate? The thing is, like, a lot of the responses that womanhood is and the journey of women in general are very similar. Like, of course, in the Middle East, it is way different, like more conservative, and we have religion and tradition that limits women. But in a lot of places, women face similar issues, like being a challenge at work. Like, usually when a man takes the job, they are giving the benefit of the doubt. And a woman, when it takes the, the job, she needs to prove herself. Like, you know, she needs to gain the trust. And it is kind of like all those issues are very similar in, in a lot of places. Different degrees, for sure. That is why I feel like um, sisterhood and solidarity between us should women should should transcend like race and countries. And I think we should come together in a in a in a way that is um, empowering. Absolutely, here, here, and that's what we're trying to support with Girls on Film. So thank you. Let's move to Eve um, from Modern Films because obviously you're you're working with the perfect candidate. Eve, why was it important for you to get involved and share this incredible story with the world? Um, that's a good question. I first saw Wajda actually years ago at uh, the Venice Film Festival, and I remember seeing it and being completely taken by it. But as a buyer, you always question yourself and your position and what other people will think outside of the festival context. And then I remember looking across at the audience next to me and everybody was wiping their eyes. And I thought, there's something about this film that just resonates with people, gets under your skin and into your heart. And I knew I wanted to release that film. And it proved to be a, a high point in my career, actually, working on that film and releasing it in the UK. And so then years, years go by and I'm still a distributor and um, knew about The Perfect Candidate and sort of had always followed Haifa's career and also of the producers. And it just seemed once I saw it, even before I saw it, but then <laughs> confirmed mm -hmm. once I saw it, that it was the right film for us. And, and since Wajda to now, I have a new company called Modern Films, which is really em about empowering female voices, female directors, uh, social issues, political change, uh, social movement through cinema. So all those things together. Plus, I just love the fact that the film is, it's not lighthearted, but it's, it's got a funny touch. It's got a kind of cheeky touch to it that says these are serious issues, but it's also it's quite funny. And it's okay to laugh sometimes at um, the absurdities of society. And I think Parasite does that as well, or a film that I was a, a producer on, I Am Not a Witch, which was a Zambian social satire. People felt at first uncomfortable to laugh, but then once you kind of relax into it and, and go with the story and go with the characters, um, it, makes, it makes such a, a big impact, I think, on your worldview, but then also just on, on having fun watching a film at the cinema or 
in other ways. So I think for me, just, just being part of this film, I also love the, the main character, how she kind of evolves, but also is so sure of herself. And even though she's confronting new obstacles every day, she, she can handle it, but also you know, have, have moments of self-doubt that she, she deals with. So for me, it's sort of a strong film along all those lines. Thank you, Eve. And um, before I come to Yaz next, let's uh, have a clip of some of the music in the film. جهزت لقاع جو خيال ما بيسمع رجال ما بيسمع حلو كل عاشق يختمر وانت تقطيب العلوم ما بيسمع رجال ما بيسمع حلوم كل عاشق يخطي مره وانت تخطيب العلوم so Yaz, I understand you've actually composed a piece of music in tribute to Haifa Al-Mansour. Can you tell us why? So it's first from a suite that I composed for International Women's Day um, back in 2015. And the idea behind the suite was to write music inspired by courageous women um, and their lives. And one of those um, role models I found very inspiring was um, Haifa Al-Mansur. So, you know, I felt a direct connection with her because, well, she's from, you know, Saudi Arabia and um, I'm half Bahraini, so, you know, we are neighbours. And so, you know, the music that I wrote dedicated to her has flavours from the Middle East, so Arabic scales, Arabic rhythms, but also fused with jazz. Yeah, so I feel it's a nice nice mixture of um, both cultures and I hope that it kind of evokes the sort of... Um, the fun and the determination of being a woman striving for, you know, for her full potential. Well, let's have a little listen to some of that now. Yaz, music plays a big part in the family's life in The Perfect Candidate. Uh, what kind of details did you appreciate while watching the film and did you relate to any of it? Yeah, I really enjoyed watching those scenes as well as everything else. It was really lovely to, to see 
the father and his pupil, you know, learning the basics of some of the Arabic modes. And then what I thought was really interesting is something we don't really see is the struggles between um, the modern thinking and um, the conservative way of thought where music is not kind of um, cherished, I supposed, and maybe not allowed in some places. So I found that very interesting. And I think it's also interesting for Western audiences who think that um, music is banned in the Middle East, where it's not really. <laughs> Do you have any specific Just questions for Haifa about the music in the film? I'd be interested to know. Yeah, uh, who composed the music? Rashid al-Majid is a very famous uh, pop star, actually from ah. your hometown, Bahrain. No way. <laughs> so a lot of his songs, like there is uh, Abadi al-Johar and um, Ahmed Fathi. There is a lot of like... Um, very famous um, s- um, singers in, in the Arab world who, who gave us their songs just because they wanted to be part of the film, which is That's amazing. beautiful. Mm. And um, most of the music is like music that I grew up with. It's kind of like um, music has been really um, banned in Saudi Arabia, at least, for so mm. long. And it's now just coming back with all what is happening in Saudi Arabia, opening up for women and music and art. So it is a very touching moment for me, just like because I grew up in a very small town in Saudi and my mom used to love to sing. But whenever I tell my friends at school, like I listen to this song and everything, they tell me we'll go straight to hell. And I always <laughs> felt like, um, yes, an outsider just because of music. And my mom also is not shy. When we go to like our family gatherings and stuff like that, she will go and sing and everybody's waiting for her. She's not doing it for money or anything. It's just like because she wanted to have fun and that is her hobby. And I was really embarrassed by all that as a kid. But it taught me what defiance is and really shaped my views to the world. It's like you really need to have values that are personal, not like dictated by what people expect from you, especially in a place like it's very traditional and very conservative like Saudi where everything is planned for you. Haifa, did you come across any particular challenges during the process of filming in Saudi Arabia? I'm not in the van anymore, like Wajda. <laughs> like in Wajda, we had to film from, um, like it's, uh, the country was segregated and everything. So, so I had to be in a van and direct a lot of the scenes remotely. But in this, um, I was in the streets and I was shouting at everybody in real person, which felt very rewarding. <laughs> but uh, um, I think Saudi Arabia still, the industry is still finding its roots. There's like, we don't have casting agents or like, you know, location scouters and all the things that makes the industry move is kind of lacking. So it was very frustrating just to, to re- reinvent the wheel on every step. So it's very, it's a very difficult process to film, especially like an art house and independent film. So it's kind of people don't understand the value. Like they always see, we have German producers, so they always see white people and ask for a lot of money, <laughs> which is like not the case because we are a small film. Um, it is very amazing just to bring art and culture to a place like has been deprived of that for so long. It makes us, the producers and I, very proud to be able to to make a film in a country that is very conservative and shuns it from art and try to open it up a little. Well, you really are a, a trailblazer. Let's turn to Linda Marek, our critic. Now, I know you're a fan of uh, Haifa's previous work. Um, yes. Did you respond to this one in a similar way oh, to you? I, I am a, a huge fan of Haifa's work, actually. I'm, I'm so happy to see her go back to her original sort of where she started from. And I really, I, I actually love all of her output. But 
This in particular really touched me because I think people think just because women in Saudi Arabia got the vote, the struggle is over. I think that's just starting now and I think it's really important to slowly start to introduce reasons why people should listen to these women. I just I thought it was fabulously done, really beautifully acted as well and I loved getting sort of a perspective of people from different sides of society, you know, like the patriarchal old guy who wouldn't be touched by a female doctor who, without giving anything away, I mean, you see a change in each of these characters and I really love that about this story. I was so impressed by it. Oh, thank who you so much, Linda. It's amazing <laughs> to see female critics. Like we, the landscape, as you know, of the film criticism is dominated by men. So like, it's amazing to have you as a woman champion for other women. We need more thank you. female critics. Thank you. And thank like you, you for your really. work. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Haifa. Again, this is what we're about on Girls on Film, is amplifying female film critics' voices as well as female filmmakers. And it's wonderful to celebrate a film like this and to support each other. What are you up to next? What's your next project? Uh, Linda won't like that because I'm st- <laughs> I'll be working in Hollywood next. <laughs> oh, no, Nobody no, knows. I like I your Hollywood <laughs> films. <laughs> uh, thank you, Linda. But I think as an artist, I really need to be between two worlds. So I'm here in... Hopefully we'll do, my next project will be here. Excellent. We look forward to seeing it. Let me ask um, either Eve or Haifa, how can people watch and support The Perfect Candidate? Because it's available now, isn't it? Very shortly. Yeah, maybe I'll answer that only because we are caught up in, in the effects of the, the virus with the cinemas closing. And as people know who are listening, I'm sure a lot of bigger films like Bond and The Quiet Place were pushed back either with dates or indefinitely until cinemas reopen. We had to make a decision last week whether we would carry on without knowing what the future held. And I think we decided that it was important to make a stance to still be available, given that one, the UK allows for for digital uh, releases at the same time as cinemas, and also that there was so much goodwill and press and exposure around the film coming up that we didn't want to lose that. So, a uh, long answer to say, it will be available online through Curzon Home Cinema as a, an extension of the cinema-going experience uh, as a virtual space on a BFI player, which is a kind of cultural space for viewing cinema, on our own website on Modern Films, just to keep it very tight and very focused on what the film was. And it will be promoted through all the cinemas, 30-plus, that were going to open the film in hopes that when the cinemas do reopen, we have a following for it, and those who have seen it either will, will want to see it again in the cinema or will have an awareness of it through audience outreach now and, and come back. So we really don't know in these kind of uncertain times, but we're, we're trying to, to make a, a positive out of still being able to see it and really embrace what the film is about. And I think a lot of people do have quite good viewing systems at home that they can put to use. And Definitely. We'll, we'll, we're trying to come up with some events they're not hard to come up with, it's just getting them all in place uh, where people can view together at the same time and then have a post-screening discussion and some forums across different uh, groups of people who are interested maybe in Haifa's film or the film itself or the stories or world cinema. So it's, it's a challenge for us, but it's super interesting to have direct access to, to audiences and being able to, to communicate with them. 
Yeah, I think we do have an opportunity that people are at home, they're looking to connect with other people. We're talking about starting a Girls on Film Club where we all watch a film at the same time and then podcast about it and talk about it with our listeners because people do want to connect and they enjoy that communal cinema experience. And if we can recreate it in our own homes, then let's give it a go. On a business level, it's funny, I had an impact campaigning and you know, alternative cinema arrangements in these times seminar yesterday with together films who worked on impact campaigns on Forsama and 2040 most recently. And there were 500, 400 or 500 people on this discussion group for over an hour wow. talking about how we can, can make the most of the situation for the, the kinds of films we love and work on. And it was super inspiring about all the different ways to reach audiences and engage with them. That's fantastic. And Yaz, how are you reaching your audience at the moment? Because obviously you can't do any touring currently. Yeah, this is another thing I've had to start thinking about is how can I continue the momentum? So I think for me is is sort of reminding people of the music I've already created, but also I'm recording new music as well, which um, I hope to release sometime next year, but also I'm thinking about doing little videos of myself sort of creating new music or practicing and just sort of writing to my mailing list and just saying hi. But yeah, it is quite difficult and I'm really having to rethink. But, you know, I'm, I'm up for the challenge, for sure. Good. And where can people find out more about your music? You've got a website, I think, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. It's yazahmed.com. Great. So and we can go there and, and find out more about your music and how to hear it and how to yeah. buy it. Brilliant. Oh, well, um, to both Haifa and Yaz, you're going to leave us off this section, but I am so thrilled that you've both joined us on Girls on Film. Thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank, oh, you. thank you so much. Uh, thank you. Best of luck with the perfect candidate, Haifa. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Take care. So in our next section, we're going to review some films that you can watch at home that are available on digital. The first is The Truth. It's on Curzon Home Cinema now. It's set in current-day Paris. It's called The Truth, or La Vérité. It's directed by Hirokazu Karida and stars Catherine Deneuve as a legendary film star, Fabienne. Here's the trailer for the film. I don't remember. You were just a baby. And you, Daddy? No, I've never been here before. The house looks like a castle. It does. Yes, even though there's a prison just behind it. Now, I thought uh, The Truth was a very enjoyable film with a very funny, knowing performance from Catherine Deneuve as a wonderfully imperious and insensitive diva. And I think it's kind of still quite rare to see unapologetic female characters at the centre <laughs> of a story. And while she's hardly admirable, I thought that in itself was quite refreshing. Linda, you've seen it. What did you think on that tip? Oh, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. And I loved her sending herself off, basically, in it, because it's like a version of herself but it's not exactly her. And I was actually impressed to find out that Hirokazu Kurida doesn't speak a word of French. So he wrote the whole script in Japanese and worked with translator, working with the actors, which I find, I thought it was perfectly done. I, I was really impressed. Very different from his Japanese stuff, but also very French, I found. So, it did feel um, very French. Yeah. I, and I didn't know that, Linda. That's really interesting um, because the dialogue, just didn't, both the English and the French dialogue, didn't stand out as, uh, yeah, as unrealistic yeah, yeah. or anything. 
What did you, I mean, we've had Juliette Binoche, Ethan Hawke, amazing cast. What did you think of the performances? It's a cast from heaven for me because I adore all those those three. You know, anyone who knows me <laughs> knows how much I love Ethan Hawke. So even though I would have liked to see him a lot, a bit more in it, but um, I thought Binoche was perfect, brilliant. She does that kind of steady kind of, judgy thing like only her can do you know she's perfect in this really really perfect so to, to for the listeners she plays um Kevin Nerve's character's daughter and the two have a bit of a fractious relationship don't they and Ethan Hawke is um the 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 husband who is is basically sending himself up he's a, he's a bad tv actor and I rather <laughs> like that casting of Ethan Hawke I think one of the best actors of his generation absolutely <laughs> playing yeah. a really ropey tv actor who's he doesn't even speak French properly. He's completely out of his depth with this kind of lovey family. And I just thought, I thought that was really quite funny. Also, uh, I liked all the whole dynamic of the film inside the film as well, which incidentally is also based on a short story, a real life short yes. story, the sort of um, little sci-fi movie within the movie. I actually would like to see him make a film about that as well. <laughs> so yeah, that I really said that when I was watching it. I want to see this film within a film. I want yeah. um, this, yeah, yeah. this interesting female-focused sci-fi, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and, and the film within a film idea and, and all the kind of on-set dramas reminded me a bit of that TV show Feud, Betty and Joan. Oh, yes, yes. Um, so I think that's so. a good touch point for people if they think they might be interested in this film. If you liked Feud, then I think you might like this. Um, I wanted to ask Eva a little bit about um, the scenes on the film sets, because obviously if you're in the industry, did you think they were realistic? Well, I thought so. I mean, you could tell that... Uh... Deneuve and Binoche were having a lot of fun with the roles and sort of playing versions of women that they could be or or not be and that they were being able to act in their ways and there had a sort of uh, Rashomon effect wasn't there about the way they tell the story and then write the script and then act it out and then they could have this heightened mother-daughter relationship through through the the lens of a film retelling their story so I, I yeah I loved all that and I did like the way they, they made it feel kind of heightened reality, but also very plausible as these uh, characters acting out the story. So yeah, felt very <laughs> film set-ish. And the house yes. as well felt very homey and French bourgeois, but also kind of chaotic and a mess and fractured and fraught. Yeah. Very French. It's so Parisian <laughs> as well, isn't it? Just incredibly Parisian. And this is a very female-focused film, but it comes from male um, writers and director. What do we think about that, um, Linda? Do you think it would have been different if it had been written by a woman? Possibly, but I don't think so. I think he got the sort of the the tone just right, I, and he gave most of the female uh, characters the sort of center stage. And I think that's the most important if you're writing or directing a film about mainly a female characters. I think because of his former work, I kind of trust him. I trust his sort of ability to sort of put the right people forward, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Linda, I would agree with that. I, I discovered Cordeda a long time ago when I was very young with his first film, Mabarossi in 95, when I lived in Vancouver. And uh, I followed his work since. And I like the way that he, he uh, characterizes women so beautifully and poetically in his films, but often, when he's in Japan, he's he's quite restrained on, on how much they can express themselves. If you think about mm. his uh, film from a few years ago, My Little Sister, yeah. it's very beautiful and full of love, but there's also so much sadness and betrayal and they can never really quite talk about it. And I feel like he took a lot of those emotions and put them in a French context and was yeah, able yeah. to suddenly delve into this mother-daughter psyche or how can 
he get the female dynamic working uh, within the story more openly. So I, as, I, as you say, Linda, I totally trust him to be able to go deeper into these mm. female stories. It's more of a human I mean, it's story no shoplifters. It's not this kind of important sociopolitical narrative. But at the same time, not all films need to be that way. So I kind of like a little bit more sort of an introspective story. I, I really love this. I love this a lot. So that's a thumbs up, I think, for the truth. I yeah, would agree. I think like... it, had, it had a bit of mixed reviews when it sort of launched onto the world scene. And it's nice that people have come to it. And I think audiences will really love it or have yeah. loved it even if it came out last Friday. I think if you're um, interested in family psychology and all the film industry, then it's definitely one to watch. So yeah, that's, that's the truth. Thank you for discussing that with me, ladies. Our next choice is Vivarium, which is on digital from the 27th of March, 2020. This is Lorcan Finnegan's sci-fi starring Imogen Poots and Jesse Eisenberg. Here is the story. Now, during their search for the perfect home, Gemma and Tom find themselves trapped in a mysterious labyrinth-like suburban neighborhood named Yonder. All attempts to escape end in failure, culminating in the discovery of a baby on the pavement outside the house. Here's a trailer for the film. Many homes have the pretense of being ideal, but these homes really are ideal. It's not exactly what we're looking for. Wait, no, no, I don't think this is the right way. Yeah, this is the way we came in. No, is it? Did we just do some kind of loop? What if they don't come? What are we supposed to do? Okay, so Vivarium. Now, this immediately reminded me of an episode of Black Mirror, and I found out, in fact, <laughs> the director used to work with Charlie Brooker, so that's oh. interesting. Um, but I thought it had really good performance, a fun setup, surreal humour. Lots to say about parenthood as well. Mm. And Linda, this story of a couple shut inside feels very close to home at the moment. What did you yes, think of it? Absolutely. You say Black Mirror, I say Twilight Zone. It really reminded me of like those really horrific, sort of claustrophobic old Twilight Zone episodes. I think it's a really fantastic sort of satire on moving to the suburbs, sort of settling down, making the decision to sort of grow up and have children and that kind of fear, that like deep-seated fears that we all have about am I doing the right thing or not? And I just think it's absolutely wonderful. I mean, it's chilling, but at the same time, so brilliantly done. Uh, I've been championing this film ever since I saw it a few weeks ago. I honestly haven't stopped thinking about it until I wrote my review this week and I just I had to like offload everything I, I needed to say about it. And I just, I think the two performances are incredible. These two people who are pulled down to sort of the depths of madness while they're trapped in this space, they can't leave. It's a stuff of nightmare, really. Just brilliantly done. Yeah, I think it's worth flagging that it is extremely depressing yeah. watch, but <laughs> but but I but I I was gripped and, and like you, I found it really thought provoking, and I love unpicking those kind of allegories and trying to work out what it's saying. I think ultimately it was maybe as a pro-choice film. Um, it was interesting because I watched this at um, London Film Festival and I found it very moving towards the end without any spoilers. But the woman next to me in the screening was laughing during oh. those scenes and then she loudly declared how shit the film was. Oh. And I, I just like, 
it, it's obviously divided people and obviously that's incredibly bad manners. But Eve, where did you sit on Vivarian? Yeah, so I saw it in Cannes last year and I, I really liked it as well, although I didn't pick it up, but it did get a UK distributor, as we know, since it's coming out. So I did respond very much to it. And I like Jesse Eisenberg, who I've had the uh, great honor and pleasure of working with before and Imogen Poots actually on a film. I thought they were both great. It reminded me a bit of downsizing, actually, but with a mm. with lot less humor. Um, <laughs> but the humor is sort of replaced by this kind of haunting uh, thoughtfulness about where we've gone as society. And the aesthetic side of it is amazing. It also made me think of a film I released years ago called Home by a director called Ursula Myers, and it stars Isabelle Huppert about a family who live in isolation on the side of an abandoned motorway. And they yeah. sort of, even though they can leave, they progressively can't leave. And um, the color palette's very much the same, that green that I remember Ursula telling me she was inspired with, by that green by a Jeff Wall uh, photograph. So there's this kind of interesting thing that dystopia, utopia somehow turns into yeah. that kind of soft green. But another thing it really reminded me of, which is, I don't know if you've read uh, Becoming, the Michelle Obama book, but there's yeah, a scene yeah. that she describes when she was a kid and some of the families moved to, one of their family's friends in particular had moved to this new suburban development and she describes it. And somehow in my mind, I, I imagine that same kind of suburban <laughs> complex that, that uh, the Jesse Eisenberg and Imogen Poots characters end up in before it gets it haunting. Uh, but it did remind me of this sort of idea of a brave new world and then, and then it all goes wrong. So I, did, yeah. I think there was a lot to think about. And as you say, Anna, in these times where we're, we're all at home, Yes, yeah, yeah, I think if you're feeling you brave... have an open mind when you're watching. Yes, yeah. if you're feeling brave and you don't mind the darker episodes of Black Mirror, for example, then give Vivarium a go, definitely. Yeah, I think also it's worth flagging that uh, Lorcan Finnegan, the director, did base lots of this on this idea. There are loads of uh, these uh, estates in Dublin, he's from Dublin, where rows and rows of houses that were built for young couples that were never filled. I think they're called ghost estates, and mm. I think he got the idea from looking into the reason why nobody moved into them and why people were put off by moving to somewhere where every single house looks exactly the same. I think that's really interesting. That's a great tip, but thank you for that. That's Vivarium, um, which will be available soon um, online. So I wanted to flag up a couple of other opportunities to watch interesting things at home. Now, of course, um, the BFI Flare Festival was going to be happening around now, but it's kind of had to move online. So there's going to be short films from BFI Flare available free of charge across the British Council's global digital networks. And there's also a couple of features which are going to be available on the BFI player, directed by women. And one's flag up is called Keyboard Fantasies, the Beverly Glenn Copeland story that's directed by Posey Dixon. And it's about a black trans musician recounting his life from the lonely 60s to the joy of witnessing the present. And another one is called T11 Incomplete, directed by Suzanne Guachi. And it's a love affair between an older woman and her paraplegic patient. So headed over to the BFI player to check those out. Another thing which is happening as we speak is Disney Plus is launching. Who's signing up? Yeah, I, I am. Signed up today. <laughs> Already signed up. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, pretty good timing. There's some, there's, I've started watching The Mandalorian. It's good, but it's very, very male, I must say. And, and I, you know, yeah. I, I enjoy the Star Wars universe when it has more interesting female characters. And so far, a couple of episodes in, I'm finding it slightly off-puttingly male-centric. But the action's good and the effects are fantastic. So I think you're obviously going to be a hit. 
Now, Eve, it's your son's birthday today. Yes, it's his 17th birthday today. And he, he actually said he wanted Disney+. Plus. I thought, well, that's the perfect gift <laughs> uh, in that I can't go out. Uh, I did end up getting him, before the shops closed, a basketball hoop as well. So that's what he's got, Disney+, Plus and a basketball hoop to play outside. And what's he looking with. forward to watching on Disney+. Plus? He seems particularly excited about 30 seasons of The Simpsons, um, <laughs> which is great, <laughs> although I think he's seen every episode, but not in the sort of chronological order where he can re assess the evolution of the uh, the storytelling. He's very interested in comedy writing and how it all works. So maybe it's just he's going to revisit The Simpsons from uh, a new perspective on Disney+. Plus. Oh, ex exciting. Creative things could happen here. That's brilliant. Let us hope. Eve, do you have any other movies that you'd recommend for isolated folks? Well, I've been thinking about it. I did ask my, my team for some recommendations and one, one woman who works with us had quite a, a great list and she had a number of Sofia Coppola films on her list and I thought, well, that's, that's actually something I would like to revisit is a, is a few Sofia Coppola films and particularly maybe Mary Antoinette and uh, Lost in Translation. So I think those are sort of yeah. nice ones that you can think about history and time and place and looking out the window. <laughs> Great shout, great shout. Linda, anything else that you that oh, yeah. struck you? A small movie that came out a couple of weeks ago called Escape from Pretoria, starring Daniel Radcliffe. I think it had a very limited theatrical release, but it's now sort of made its way into online. I thought it was really, really well done. Again, I think it's on um, Curzon Home Cinema. It's available to watch on there. So there's a bunch of other stuff on Curzon uh, Home Cinema. I think they have a really good list of films. I, I direct you to just go and, and have a look. Agreed. And, and Mubi as well. I mean, it's a chance to catch up with some really great quality cinema being at home, at least. So yeah. um, now, Eve Gavro and Linda Marrick, I want to thank you both so much for coming on Girls on Film. It's been such a pleasure to have you for our first you. isolation pod. <laughs> <laughs> thank Thanks, you so Anna. much thank for, you having, for having me. Yeah. And, and for giving such a beautiful space to The Perfect Candidate. Well, best of luck with the release of Perfect Candidate, and I hope that um, everyone um, downloads that and watches that online. You've been listening to Girls on Film. I'd like to thank Hedda Archbold of HLA Productions for producing, Jane Long for audio producing, our intern, Heather Dempsey, Modern Films for partnering on this episode. Now, we're looking for more partners for Girls on Film, so don't hesitate to get in touch if you can help out. We also have a Patreon page. Go to patreon.com forward slash girls on film podcast. If you sign up, you get a shout out. And we've had some hits already. We've just put it live. So a big thank you to number one, Claire Vaughan. Number two, Jessica Phillips. Number three, Samuel Clements, our first three patrons. Thank you so much. Thanks to everyone who's supporting us on social media. You can follow us on Twitter at girlsonfilm underscore pod. And on Instagram at girlsonfilm underscore podcast. And do get in touch with any requests you have during this period for special recommendations for isolation watching. Don't forget also to download us or better still, subscribe and tell all your friends. Finally, I'd like to give a big thanks to Yaz Ahmed, Eve Gabro, Haifal Mansour and Linda Marek. Thank you for joining our first Girls on Film isolation pod. Stay safe, everyone, and we'll be back soon. I want to be alone.